Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. We see a progression here of Abraham being called by God to die to himself. It's a progression, really it's a process here of dying to himself. So how could he be willing to go through this massive death, uh, Abraham? And Abraham could be willing because Abraham knew, as we know, Abraham knew that he had a sinful self. He knew that. And, and, and Paul knew that. And Paul expressed that in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's why Paul went on further to call our Christian, or, or, to call our old sinful self an old man. An old man that's got to die. And, and, and he views himself, as Paul looks at himself, he says, you know, he says, I view myself as, as crucified with Christ, as he said in Galatians 2.20, but he also put it this way in Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, he died, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's why Paul said that those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are, who are his, have this central characteristic. There's a central characteristic, and, and they see themselves as having their flesh crucified with the affections and its lusts. As he said in Galatians 5, 24, that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and the lusts. And so Paul then, he sets forth himself as an example. He says, now look at me, everybody, Paul says, as Christians, and follow, follow me. Because when I look at the world, you know, Paul did, there wasn't Las Vegas when Paul did, but that's where he was, you know. So he's looking at the world as Las Vegas, you know, the epitome of the world was self-satisfying pleasures, right? That's Las Vegas. And so he looks, he looks at that, and he looks at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sees the world, and he sees all the glitter, and he sees the crucified Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, now I'm enabled to write across the world in my life, crucified, crucified. And so he says in Galatians 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. It has no attraction for me. I don't respond to it because it's dead. Yeah? I'm not attracted to a dead person. I don't respond to a dead person. Do there's something wrong with you. But, but, and, and so God said to Abraham in verse two, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him. It's a process there, the crucifying process for Abraham. And that's what God wants to do for us. That's what God did for him. That's what he wants to do with us. It's our love of self. It's our love of self that gets us into trouble. It's our, it's our love of our sinful desires that gets us into trouble. You know, we say, sin? Oh, I hate sin. I want to turn away from it. But on the other hand, I kind of rather like the way it feels. Okay? And, and, and so self, it, 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 that's what self does to us. It deceives us. And so self, it, it's like, and the question is, where is that self? Is that, that self can be for, in us like an idol. It can be like an idol that displaces God. 
And, and only as we die to that self, and that self dies to us, can, can God be enthroned on the throne of our hearts. William Cowper put it so well when he, he wrote in this hymn that we have a hymn. It, it, it said, the dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Okay, going on now, verse two. Abraham hears God tell him to go to this land of Moriah. He says, Moriah. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. So at first, this command comes to Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's very scary. It's very scary for Abraham, you know, and, and that was normal. I mean, you'd be scared too. I would. And, but, and so the question is, how is Abraham going to resolve being scared, the scariness, you know? How are you going to resolve being scared? Well, first of all, Abraham wanted to please God. And, 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 and so he resolved. You know, my friend John has a granddaughter, Chloe. She's five years old. And so John's daughter, Vanessa, uh, obviously the mother, Chloe, in case you figure that out. Anyway, so, you know, they, they go to Disneyland all the time. And, and so, they, in fact, they just went this last week. And Chloe, little Chloe, five years old, she, she goes only on the rides that she can see. You know, she can see the carousel. Okay, I'll go on that ride. She can see Dumble the Flying Elephant. She says, oh, I'll go on that ride, right? But the rides that she can't see like uh, Peter Pan, you know, where, where you know where you sit there, and the doors open, you go there's darkness in there, or you know uh, the the Mad Ted or T Rod. Anyway, it's all these things, and I forgot. But anyway, <laughs> all these rides where you can't see inside, she won't go. No, she's afraid. And she said, "So well, Chloe, why won't you go on those rides? I can't see in there." So she'll go to the rides where it's all open, but she won't go inside the dark places. You know, which I don't blame her. I don't like going in there either. Things come out of the dark, and anyway. But uh, one day was Chloe's birthday. No, no, no. was Vanessa's birthday. One day was Vanessa's birthday, and they were going to go to Disneyland. And so Chloe comes into the kitchen, and she says, Mommy, I'm going on all the rides, including Peter Pan and all those dark ones. And so her mother said to her, Chloe, you're always afraid to go in those rides. Why are you going in those scary rides now? And she said, because I want this to be the best birthday ever for you. (laughs) Five-year-old. Okay. Abraham, why are you going? It's so scary. How are you going to say? Because you called me, and I want to make you happy. Same thing. So Abraham, he said, sacrifice my son Isaac? It sounds so scary. I said, how am I going to resolve this? Well, I've known God for all my life. And Abraham would say, well, not quite all his life, but he had a long time with God. And so he says now, he says to himself, now how would I describe God? Would I describe God as a scary God? Does God, for all the time I've known God, would I say that God likes to scare me, likes to scare people? I've known God, I, I, and I know that he does not like to scare. It's not him. So he's called me to sacrifice Isaac. I will not let that scare me. Right. Keep in mind that, that Isaac is watching Abraham because there's another person who should be scared about this command. <laughs> and Isaac is getting the crystallization of the, in his mind that he's the lamb. You know, he's, he's not stupid. And so if Isaac saw Abraham scared, then Isaac would have been scared. 
And, and, and you know, this, is a, this, this command comes to Abraham. It's like terrorizing. It's a terrorizing. I'm gonna sacrifice my son. That brings terror to me. How's he gonna resolve the issue of terror? Same thing. He says there, he says, sacrifice my son Isaac? That's terror. I feel terror. Would I describe God as a terrorizing God? Would I, would I, would I, would I, is my description of God that he's a terrorist? Well, the devil's a terrorist. The devil's a terrorist. Job said, the devil's a terrorist. In Job 18.4, he says, he says, talking about the person that goes to the devil, that's sent to hell, he says, his confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors, it describes Satan as. And so, so Abraham says, is God an Al-Qaeda terrorist? He says, no. He says, for all the time I've known God, I would not call him a terrorist. He's not out to terrorize people, and so he's called me to sacrifice Isaac. I won't let that terrorize me. And keep in mind, again, Isaac is watching Abraham, and he's, he's, he's wondering, should I be terrorized? That's how Abraham was able to not be scared or afraid and not be terrorized. And Isaac's watching. And in the same way, when experience, when a loved one gets sick to near death, how are you going to not be scared? How are you not going to be terrorized? How are you not going to be afraid? You're going to go back in your mind, and you're going to ask the question, is God a scary God? Is that what he does? Is God like to terrorize? Is God like to make you afraid? He doesn't. And as Abraham, so Abraham hears this, hears God say this. Okay, then he says, then the next thing he hears is he's got to go to the land of Moriah. And he not only thinks, you know, like we said last time, Moriah, that's a long way from here. Boy, that's a three-day journey, you know. But he, he doesn't only think about how far it is, but then he thinks of the name Moriah. He says, what a Moriah. And when he thinks, he says, you know, Moriah is the, is the connection of two words. Two words are brought together. The last one, Yah is God, and more, more is like uh, to show or to point out. And, and so, so really this word Moriah means God will show or God will point out or God will reveal, however you like to think about it. And so the word Moriah means that. And so during those three days of his walking, and remember now Abraham's a pensive person, he's walking and you can see percolation going on in his mind. This is percolating like coffee you know, in his mind. He's thinking to himself, Moriah, Moriah. And he's walking these three days, and he says, God is going to show me something. I'm going to a place where God will show me something. I'm going to a place where God's going to point out something to me. I wonder what God is going to show me. I wonder what he's going to point out to me there. And with that name Moriah in his mind, we can see Abraham walking and saying along the way, this is going to be something special. This is going to be something very special for me. It's definitely going to be something I'll never forget. So Moriah, it really paints a picture for us. And because with the Moriah, Abraham's got a question. And he says, I have a choice. Abraham says, I have a choice. Am I going to go to the place where it says that God is going to show me, called Moriah, or, I'm going to, or, or am I going to let God take me on this journey to the place where he's going to show me something wonderful, because his name is wonderful. I have a choice of going to the place where God's going to point out something to me. So am I, am I, am I really going to walk for these three days to the place where God's gonna point out something wonderful to me? Am I willing to do that? In order to go there, the, the, the place, in order for, to, for him to have God point, reveal or point out something wonderful to Abraham, Abraham had to obey. Abraham had to go there. And so Moriah is a wonderful place for Abraham. Moriah is a place where Abraham's gonna see something he never saw before. He's gonna, he's gonna come to a new level of closeness or friendship with God, a deeper friendship with God. Is a place where Abraham's gonna come to a new intimacy with God. And so for Abraham, going to Moriah is the next step. 
It's the next step in his life. It's a place where God wants to, I want to bring you, Abraham, next level, next level up, next level of revelation. And Moriah could only be reached by Abraham if he decided and stayed on that track for three days. If he didn't turn back for three days. And so if Abraham would have turned away from God, says, no, I can't do it. I'm not willing to go. I'm not willing to obey you. I'm not, that's over the top. I'm not gonna sacrifice my son. I'm sorry, you wanna ask for bulls or calves, I'll give you thousands, but not Isaac. See, if he had said that, then Abraham never would have reached this place of Moriah, this new blessing of seeing something wonderful. If Abraham would have turned away and said, no, no, I'm, I'm not gonna sacrifice him, God. Watch me, I'll protect him. I'm gonna protect Isaac, that's what's in my heart. Then Abraham would have lived all of his life trying to protect Isaac from God. Your biggest threat you have, Isaac, is God. He wants to kill you, so I'm gonna protect you. So, and we have our Moriah places in our lives where God is calling us to. Like Abraham, God is calling us to the next Moriah step. He's calling us to a place where he wants to reveal something new to us, something wonderful, a new closeness with God, a new intimacy, a new friendship with God. And we can only reach that wonderful Moriah place if we're willing to go, like Abraham was. So when Abraham goes to Moriah, he's going to the place where God is gonna show me something. And he did show him such a thing that when the Lord Jesus Christ said, Abraham saw my day, where did Abraham see the Lord Jesus Christ's day? On Moriah, where God showed him the, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, where God pointed out to him the day, where God revealed to him the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he never would have seen it. He never would have seen it if he said no. So the cross for us is our Moriah place. That's our Moriah place. When we go to the cross as our Moriah, that's the place where God, let me show you some things. Let me point these things out to us. When we go to, the, to our Moriah, the cross, and, and God points out to us the, the two greatest lessons that we can learn at the cross, and that is how great a sinner we are and how great a savior he is. And then, and the atonement that he made for our souls, and, and we can never do that like Abraham unless we're willing to come to the cross and to say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need this remedy. I am looking at the brazen serpent that was raised up because I acknowledge that because of my sin, I'm dying from the snake's venom, which is already working in my body. Now, focus now. We're focused on verse two. And if you think we're focused on verse two, Abraham was really focused on verse two. <laughs> he was focused on every word in verse two. And right after Abraham he hears God tell him that he has to go to the land of Moriah, he hears him say this. He says, I'll offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, he says, upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. He says, you know, well, we can imagine Abraham is big-eyed, you know, he's hearing this thing, and he's listening to everything God's telling him. You know, he's supposed to offer Isaac, and every detail is vitally important to Abraham. And so Abraham is first telling him to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there, and then Abraham hears God say something kind of frustrating, he says, well, it'll be on one of the mountains, which I'll tell you about when you get there. It sounds frustrating. And we could have thought, you know, Abraham, he's, he's there. I'm supposed to offer my son as a burnt offering on a mountain in Moriah. And I can't even know which mountain I'm supposed to offer him on. I got to hear later. Now, why did God take the trouble of saying to him, it's going to be on one of the mountains? Well, obviously, it's going to be on one of the mountains, you know. But he's on one of the mountains, and I'll tell you about it later. You know? That was very purposeful on God's part, to have the location of where this is gonna happen be described as, eh, one of those mountains, I'll tell you about it later. 
But when Abraham heard this, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of, then Abraham thought, wait a minute. I've heard that before from God. I remember when God first called me in Genesis 12, 1, and it says there, and the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I'll show you. I'll show you. (laughs) And when Abraham heard God call him, in Genesis, this verse here, in verse two, he says, upon one of the mountains I'll tell thee of, Abraham thinks to himself, I remember that's what God said. He said, he's gonna take me to a land that he's gonna tell me of. And he thought, I remember, that's, that was the first calling that I had from God. He's gonna show me. And he could have said, he could have said all the way back then in Genesis 12, he said, what land? What do you mean? You want me to leave my country, my father's house? You won't even tell me where I'm going? He says, you won't even tell, a land that I will show thee? Yeah, we got used car salespeople like that. <laughs> and, but God said, that's it. That's all you get. That's all you get. That's the, the, and Abraham says, that's it. That's all I get. That's all I get. I don't know where I'm going. Just unto a land that I will show thee. And Abraham goes, would it be too much to ask, you know, for a little more detail? You know? So when Abraham obeyed God, which he did in Genesis 12, and he left her of the Chaldees, he was leaving to a land that I will show thee, God said. Abraham, and what happened by that was that God was bringing Abraham to a place where he's gonna say, Abraham, you can't be in it for the land because I'm not even tell you where the land is. <laughs> so you've got to be in it for God. You've got to be in it for God. And it wasn't the land that was making Abraham want to obey God and, and go to Ur of the Chaldees. It was Abraham was going with God, and Abraham would be with God. And he was gonna be, I didn't know where that land's gonna be, but whatever it is, he's gonna be with God in that land. And that's the reason why Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees. You know, Abraham, Abraham wasn't sitting there saying, well, let's see now. I think I know the land he's talking about. You know what? I need a new land. You know, it's a, this is a better land. You know, this land here is too crowded over here after all. It's been overworked, you know. It's not enough water. It's not, you know, it's, it's, God could have said milk and honey. I like milk and honey. I like that. But he didn't. He didn't tell Abraham it was going to be milk and honey. He might, he, he might have fell in love with the milk and honey. <laughs> to descend that. So he just says, I'll just come to a land that I will show thee. And he's preventing Abraham from coming to God for what he could get, the land. To, when, it, when God says to Abraham, to a land that I'll show thee, God is standing in between Abraham and this land. And he's saying, only if you want me do you get the land. I'm not a land dealer, God says, <laughs> And I'm not a real estate, but anyway, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to tell you about this land because I'm off, what I'm really offering you, I'm offering you myself, God says. I'm offering you God, and the land is part. So when God says to Abraham, come to the land, it meant that you have to trust the Lord that the land is going to be because God is good. The land will be good because God is good, and he doesn't give any details. Now, that's why in phrase two, it's so important when it says, well, I'll tell you about that unto one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He's taking the which I will tell thee position again, God is. And it's exactly the same position that God takes with us. Have you ever realized, have you ever thought about how very little details there are in the Bible about heaven? I mean, we know they don't use petroleum asphalt for pavement, they use gold. But apart from that, we don't know a whole lot about that place. And the fact is, is that God is taking that, which I will tell thee of, position with us also. So we receive so much when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we get it in him, in him. But all the other details, very little, we're told. 
And before we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, God says, well, takes that I'll tell thee later position. And with Abraham, he stands like Abraham. He stands between us and what he's going to give us, us in heaven. He says, I'll tell you about that later. And it's all that I'll tell you about. Just follow me. God's saying, just follow me. Wonderful things will happen later. Even peace. He stands between peace and the sinner. And he says, he says in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, come unto me. All you the labor and have a labor. I'll give you peace. But first me, then peace. Come unto me, all of it. Uh, God's gifts are really reserved only for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ as much as the Father loves him. That's who he's reserving them for. And he says to Abraham in 21, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, a land I'll show you. A land I'll show you. So if you're coming into this for personal gain, forget about it. That explains why the Lord Jesus Christ described the goal of going to heaven in John 14, 3, when he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So what do you think about when you think of heaven? A land of pleasures, a land of delights, a land of wonders, a land of sorrow, uh, 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 no sorrows? No, that, that's not how the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to think of heaven. It's not how we should think of heaven. He describes going to heaven as receiving you unto myself. And he, receive, and he describes being in heaven as being where I am, there ye may be also. That's a description. So the end result is not to get out of all our troubles on earth, not to get a new body. You know, people, if you know people always say, well, he's gone to a better place. He hasn't gone to a better place, he's gone to a better person. That's the goal of heaven. And so the prize of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he's so nebulous here with Abraham and, and, and with us as well. It's just hidden, hidden prize, hidden prize. Now, God says, I only want Abraham if Abraham wants me. And I don't want to come for Abraham just for the land. And so that's why he did it for Abraham. That's why he does it for us. So he says, come to Mount Moriah, and you will, you'll find out. And so the Lord, keep, this keeping hidden is what he's doing. He's keeping things hidden. And really, the Lord Jesus Christ has done this with the Jewish people because he keeps, them, he keeps the prize of the Lord Jesus Christ really hidden because, you know, the Jewish people, they said, now when he came, we want a militant Messiah someone who's going to overthrow Rome and all the enemies of the Jewish people. And like, we want Isaiah 45, 23. Unto me every knee shall bow. And First uh, Chronicles 17, 10. I will subdue all mine enemies. But God says to the Jewish people, no, now you don't need a militant Messiah to conquer Rome. I'm not sending you a militant Messiah. I'm sending you a meek Messiah, a meek one. He says, take my yoke upon me. Learn to me, I am meek and lowly in heart. He said, like Abraham, you know, I showed him later. I showed him later land. He says, I'll show you later the militant leader, the militant Messiah. Now you need a meek Messiah. His glory and power is hidden now so that only those who really love him for who he is will come to him. The Jewish people said, now we want a Messiah who's seated in power on the right hand of God. We want a Psalm 110 verse 1 Messiah. It says, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. God says, no, no, you don't need a Messiah seated in power. He says, I'm ascending you a Messiah that's been scourged by the Romans. John 19, 1, Pilate therefore took Jesus, scourged him. And so I'll show you the seated Messiah later. Right now you get a scourged Messiah because I want to know who really loves him for who he is. 
And then now we want a Psalm 2 Messiah, the Jewish people say. We want a Psalm 2 Messiah. Ask of me, I'll give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, dash them in pieces like a pottery vessel. And so now God says, you don't need a Psalm 2 Messiah. You need an Isaiah 53 Messiah. You need an Isaiah 50. I'm going to send you Isaiah 53 Messiah who was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. That's who you need now. See, they wanted a Messiah with a crown. And, 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 the, and God says, no. He says, you know what? He says, I'm not giving you the Messiah with Messiah. I'm going to give you a Messiah with a cross. It's a cross. And they put that over his, his, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, over the cross. And when he wanted, they wanted a lion. He said, I'm, no, you don't need a lion now. You need a lamb, a sacrificial lamb. It says, as a sheep is dumb before his shears, he says he's going to open not his mouth, a lamb for Messiah. And so all of this, keeping him hidden, was exactly what he was doing with Abraham as he said, unto one of the mountains that I'll, I'll show thee of later. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, giving us the report and then revealing it to us. We thank you, Lord, the report of the Lord Jesus Christ and God dying for our sins on the cross and then revealing that truth to us. We thank you, Lord. And we all want to say this morning, we love him, increase our faith, increase our obedience to be like Abraham and think correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor.